Google Maps will not work if there's no GPS signal because it says I can't locate you. But if you think about all the learning, including all the continuing education and adult-related uh, learning and so forth, we barely have an understanding of who the learner is, but we are happy to tell them that we'll take you to your destination. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 333, which features a conversation with Dr. Prasad Ram. Pram is founder and CEO of Guru, a nonprofit research and technology organization providing Guru Navigator, a GPS for learning. Pram and Jeff talk about Guru, its app, and the philosophy behind the app. They also talk about education as a fundamental human right, the inherent complexity of learning, the need for education to evolve to keep pace with change in other areas of our lives, and the need to know where a learner is in order to help her on her learning journey. Jeff and Pram spoke in October 2022. And I'd love to get you to tell us a little bit more about the work that you're doing at Guru right now. I know that's your current focus. So I'd love to hear about that. It'd also be great if listeners could learn a little bit more about your career before Guru, because you've really had a, a very rich career that I think led you to where you are right now. So could you share a little bit of your background and then maybe a little bit more about what you're now trying to accomplish with Guru? Yeah, I'm formally trained as a computer scientist. I have a PhD in computer science. I worked at major uh, institutions like uh, Xerox Park, which is the research center, or uh, Yahoo, which was a premier uh, provider in those days and then at Google, and have led the development of large systems that many of you uh, most likely use today, like uh, build the engineering platform for all of Yahoo Media, or uh, led a large development team on Google Maps, developed uh, Google translation technologies, and so forth. So my background is more as a computer scientist and a product uh, innovator kind of uh, background. I came to education with a fresh pair of eyes saying, so why haven't we actually moved one thing in education while the rest of our lives have turned upside down? We no longer drive without Google Maps. And for many of you who are uh, as old as I am, <laughs> you can kind of, uh, even I wonder, how did we manage to get around, you know, we used to do go to all kinds of uh, different cities and different countries without uh, any kind of uh, live navigation support. Whether it's Uber or uh, the way we order on Amazon, everything has changed. But the way we learn, kind of, uh, whether it's in continuing education, professional development, or K-12, is more or less the same, right? In terms of we have courses, yeah, we have videos, little more videos now than uh, just slides. But that's about it. So that's kind of, that was my quest saying, hey, what can we do to bring the elegance and of Google Maps to learning, right? Where the system knows what you currently know, you set a destination, and then it kind of provides you a route to your destination and reroutes you based on your performance. So that's kind of uh, what we have uh, put together at Guru. 
I can remember back when I got first first got involved in e-learning, like one of the, the common things would pe- people would say is that, you know, if somebody fell asleep in the mid, you know, name your century, 18th, 19th, or go back to 12th or earlier, um, and, and woke up and looked around, they'd see just so many things that were different about the world that would blow their mind. But if they walked into, you know, your average education situation, it would look exactly the same. And I mean, you could say that, you know, now there's Zoom, of course, so everybody's ha- having to do <laughs> so much on online and on webinars. So maybe the, the modality is a little different, but the practices really haven't changed. I mean, we really don't seem to be taking advantage of, uh, of what we could be um, with education. And it's not a trivial thing. I, I know that your work gathered from, from, you know, reading about your background and what you're doing, that you're really driven by a, a social justice perspective on learning and by this idea that education is a is a human right. So can you say more about that? And can and can you also say more about you know why you hold those beliefs and, and how you came to, to hold those beliefs about uh, education? Yeah, like you first comment about the Rip Van Winkle story. If you woke up after several centuries, you still see education hasn't changed. And your comment about Zoom. What we do with Zoom is still we have a teacher who sits in front of the camera <laughs> and another 30 students who sit in their homes now. And, uh, you know, it's the same model of education ultimately, right? So, and and there's a reason why we kind of stick to that, right? Which is learning is incredibly complex, right? So if you come with a better idea for learning, the chances are it's not going to work. At least it's not going to work rather quickly. So we are better off just falling back to something that we know, which too doesn't work, but that is the status quo. Since clearly education, the way we do it doesn't work either, but that is the status quo, right? And so we are better off being in status quo than trying something else that clearly is no better. Right, So we can introduce game-based learning, we can do project-based learning, we can do all kinds of other uh, inquiry-based, and we can do small groups, instruction. We can try all of that. All of that works in some context, in some limited environment with the right level of support and stuff like that, which is typically not available to the broader audience. And this is kind of uh, where uh, we prefer to fall back to the thing that we are used to. Now, to your other question about social justice and education as a human right, right? And since my question when I was at Google was, we are incredibly good about building all these technologies that have changed, you know, lives and the livelihoods for people like us, right? Where all of us now hail a Uber, we kind of, you know, order on Amazon, we kind of have, you know, uh, Alexa or uh, Apple Watches and so forth that run our lives, right? Now, if you kind of uh, look at all these social issues, whether it's poverty, global warming, you know, women's rights, education, you know, things haven't changed much. You know, we are still fighting the same battles uh, or the Iranian women are fighting the same battles that has plagued that community for the long, for centuries, right? And so, so, we see the same set of issues over and over again at the social front, while on our life, lifestyle and livelihood uh, elements, things have uh, transformed. 
quite dramatically. So that's kind of really where my quest was, how do we kind of use the technology, use the tools and everything else that we have to solve these challenges. And now when I kind of looked deeper into what these challenges are, it kind of, I could convince myself or distill it down to saying, hey, if we tackle learning, somehow that would in turn tackle all other issues or empower people to tackle all other issues if we addressed learning for them. So a group of women who are learned will kind of uh, are likely to kind of uh, assert their rights. You know, people, uh, community that is learned is likely to be more environmentally conscious and supportive of the environment. So, you know, whether it's healthcare and all of those things, the correlation between learning and outcomes in those uh, spheres is very high. So I kind of convinced myself that learning is at the core of social justice. The challenge with learning, however, is unlike the technologies that we generally use in every other realm, where you know we are solving complicated problems like in Google Maps or coming up with a vaccine for COVID and so forth, we're solving very complicated problems. But the beauty about those problems is that you can scale through replication, right? Once you figure out one vaccine that protects one person, 10 billion vaccines will protect the rest of the planet kind of stuff, right? And uh, by just manufacturing 10 billion of those. Now, that's true about everything, whether it's the vaccines or jumbo jets, whatever you're manufacturing, you know, you scale through replication. But the challenge with all of these uh, social challenges is like what works for one child of years does not work for the second child of year own. So it does not scale through replication. And these are incredibly complex systems uh, that don't scale through replication. So my interest was how do we kind of uh, leverage technology to technology and the community to together tackle these kind of problems. At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you're looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com slash services. Basically, to solve all of these other larger problems, that we, and we obviously have quite a few in the world right now, some that could really change or even end the world, in order to solve those, I mean, learning is the path. So we have to be able to empower as many people as possible to learn what they need to be able to understand and, and do in order to tackle these problems. So we, we shouldn't be withholding learning from anybody. That's the social justice perspective of it. But then there is this complexity perspective that, that you're talking about that kind of goes to the scalability. And if I'm understanding correctly, your perspective on it, that complexity is really inherent in individual human beings are different and they find themselves in different contexts. Those alone are just two huge variables. And of course, there are all sorts of other variables. So this led you to, or I'm making the assumption, this led you to the idea of guru and developing what you've described as this Google Maps for learning as a way to kind of navigate this set of issues to 
help the social justice issue to, to tackle the complexity issue. Can you say a little bit more about what Guru is and then how does it actually work for the different types of stakeholders who would be using it? So uh, one comment before that is the point you made about the complexity of mm -hmm. who the learner is. Learners themselves are diverse. But if you think about learning, your understanding of how to solve equations is based on your motivation, your self-confidence, your grit and perseverance, and all of these other elements, not just about your understanding of algebra or something of that kind, right? That's almost the less significant part of it. It's more complicated because of all these other elements. Do you feel a stereotype threat? Do you feel uh, completely demotivated to learn this topic and so forth? Then how do you kind of overcome all of that stuff, right? So that's why it's an extraordinarily complex problem to tackle. Now, the idea of developing a GPS for learning is that you have to start by understanding who the learner is, right? Your GPS will not work if it has no signal, it says cannot find no GPS signal. Yeah, Google Maps will not work if there's no GPS signal because it says I can't locate you. But if you think about all the learning, including all the continuing education and adult uh, related learning and so forth, we barely have an understanding of who the learner is, but we are happy to tell them that we'll take you to your destination, right? And that's kind of the motivation the system has built in, saying, hey, I don't know where you are, but I'll take you to the San Francisco airport, right? Or I know where you are at a very high level, somewhere in the United States or somewhere in California, something at that level. You know, if I know you are a 3.5 GPA or A grade student and stuff like that, but I'll take you to a particular specific destination. Now, so we built courses, curriculums, textbooks, videos, everything to about the destination without ever knowing where the learner is. And when I say know where the learner is, it's not just about their knowledge, but also about their abilities, also about their mindsets, also about their community engagement and their sense of forth, right? So we have, and what we kind of have seen is that Without understanding the learner, you will never be able to kind of successfully get everybody to their destination, right? And that was the crux of the problem that we had to solve. But once I know where you are, then if we empower you to set your destination, you can become a senior product manager, you can become a cybersecurity expert, you can become a curriculum coordinator or electrician or whatever you want to be, right? You can set whatever destination you want, then we'll give you a route that takes you to your destination and reroute you based on your performance. So route based on profile, reroute based on performance, everybody gets to their destination every time, right? Now, if we can put that together, then we believe that we would have honored the human right to education. And two thoughts came to mind as you were speaking there. One is that, of course, we've known that we don't always do what we should with this knowledge, that, that prior knowledge is so important to learning. Like, as you're saying, understanding where that learner has been, is coming from where they are right now. If you don't understand that, then it's very difficult to present them with the opportunities that they need to move forward from there to reach whatever destination they're trying to reach. And 
It also clicked with me, and I don't know why this hasn't clicked before. It should have, but we do a lot of strategy work, and we feel like the key to strategy is to understand the situation of the organization. You have to know kind of where they are, what their context is, diagnose that before you're really able to say, here's how we move forward to reach this better future state. And same thing, you have to be more strategic about learning and really understanding where that learner is. So the Guru is basically an app. Like, So how does somebody actually use it? If I, and I know you can download this. I've downloaded it on, on my phone and I've spent a little bit of time with it, but I'd love for you to describe it. If I'm somebody who's going to go get Guru and start using it, what does that look like? What are the mechanics of it? Yeah. So at the learners, from a learner's perspective, yes, Guru is an app. But as we kind of just touched upon this earlier, learning is complex. So it's not just like Google Maps in the sense that you just get directions and you follow directions and you'll get there, right? So learning is requires you to be supported by your teachers or instructors, by your mentors, and by the leadership of your organization and everyone else, right? So that's kind of how we tackle the complexity of it by saying that the solution for you will actually be not only supported by the system and AI and all of that stuff that Guru is able to do, but also Guru is able to engage all of the other stakeholders who can coordinate their support of you as the learner, right? And so, so that's kind of very central to how we are able to tackle this challenge. Now, specifically from the learner's perspective, yes, it's an app. You download the app, you set a destination, you know, you take immediately says, uh, understands, you know, where you are. And uh, we have made it simple enough that you don't even have to take a diagnostic. You can just say I'm a fourth grader or I'm a fifth grader or I'm kind of a software engineer in this company and so on and so forth. So once you kind of establish, give it some information, it kind of gives you an first approximation of who you are based on all the data that it already has in the system. And then as you are on your learning journey, it is continuously introducing diagnostic questions so that as you answer them, it kind of refines its understanding of who you are and tailors the learning pathways accordingly. Now, Guru is primarily just the app. So to take the Google Maps analogy, it's like the Google Maps engine without the maps data or the atlases, right? Now, that's not very useful to have a Google Maps engine without the atlases. So what we have kind of done is created an environment where every organization can come in, provide their content, and make the Google Maps experience work for their cohorts, right? So, so basically, how do we kind of unlock the supply of all of learning? Learning, as you and everyone knows, is extremely dynamic. And since our definition of what we want to learn about COVID or what we want to learn about cybersecurity, everything keeps, you know, about metaverse or anything keeps dynamically changing on a daily basis, right? So it's not like a, not like maps where it's rather static at some level, right? So instance, the amount of change is 1% a year, right? But because the roads don't change too much. And it's extremely vast. Learning is extremely vast. Basket weaving is different from uh, deep sea building kind of stuff, right? So how do you kind of bring all the experts in each of these areas, which there are, 
who have good content, who have good understanding of how to learn that concept, those set of concepts, to kind of provide the learning activities so that every learner can engage in any journey that they want. So we have done this initially for US K-12, and we have kind of organized enough content so that can happen. But now we have over 30 partners in skills training and professional development who have brought in courses for organic compost making or soft skills or leadership and entrepreneurship or teacher professional development and so on and so forth. So that we have kind of fairly broad areas of uh, learning that can happen. And we have shown that this technology that we have put together is applicable in all realms. Carry on with the um, Google Maps analogy a, a little bit. As you noted, I mean, roads map data tends to be relatively static, but it's not completely static. I mean, it changes, um, you know, year in and year out, even day in and day out as there's like road construction. Google reports traffic in real time where, you know, when the roads are, are, are clogged up. So the system does seem to learn and evolve and get better and better at, at what it's doing. I'm going to make the assumption that the same is true about Guru, that you've got artificial intelligence and or machine learning running under there and that the system is getting smarter over time and better able to understand a learner situation, better able to guide the learners based on what it's seen other learners do over time. Yeah, and a lot more sophisticated than what is required in the Google Maps context because, for example, you may find videos boring but you may like interactives. You like playing games, working with simulations and stuff like that. While I may be comfortable with videos and someone else may like solved examples, right? Solved problems. I need to kind of review solved examples and that's how I learn. Now, what Guru is able to do is to kind of dynamically understand who you are as a learner not just about your knowledge and proficiency, but also about your preferences, your portfolio, kind of understand who you are completely, right? And leverage that in personalizing the pathway for you, right? Which is kind of to kind of extend Google Maps analogies to say, hey, if this person doesn't like to pay tolls or likes scenic routes over highways and stuff like that, we'll kind of provide them the appropriate pathway based on their preferences. This is an open source platform, um, if I understand correctly. So I think opening up the possibilities for others to be able to adapt it, but also to interface with it, probably uh, more importantly. I mean, how does it interface with things like traditional learning management systems or learning content management systems, which, you know, are part of that traditional landscape that maybe hasn't been working as well as it could have in the past. Uh, does Guru interface with those and, and what possibilities does it being open source kind of open, open up? The open source is uh, less important in the sense that what you need is clearly APIs, well-specified application programming interfaces, that makes Guru Navigator completely extensible so you can add new things and totally interoperable, right? So this has to be the core of, like if you take Google Maps, if you come up with a coffee shop, it shows up on Google Maps, right? If someone else comes up with a new train schedule, Google Maps gets updated with the train schedule. Or if you came up with a new walking pathway, it gets updated on walking uh, on Google Maps. So, so what we have done is 
kind of made sure that guru is completely extensible and interoperable. So if tomorrow people are, uh, you know, we are seeing a lot of shift in the direction of game-based learning and the idea of exploring uh, career opportunities in the metaverse and things of that nature. So now, yes, people, if they build the metaverse exploration experience, it can integrate with uh, Guru Navigator, right? Then with all the existing systems, a variety of assessment systems, learning management systems, e-learning systems, which provide a content-based experiences and so on, we interoperate with all of those. And there are industry standards and we kind of adhere to that. And we have very well-specified APIs and these systems can interact with that. Now, the core of uh, Guru Navigator, not all of Guru Navigator, is open source. So, so that way we allow uh, researchers to come and work with us and test out different AI algorithms, test out different uh, principles of learning and how that can be leveraged in generating personalized pathways and so forth. Right, yeah, and thank you uh, for that distinction. Uh, obviously, the APIs are going to be more important to the extensibility and uh, integration, but I think the fact that the core is open source and that other people can you know, have some influence and do some work on that is also extremely interesting. So I'm, I'm wondering, we've sort of been, you know, skirting around the edges of this as we've been talking, you know, in, in a world where everybody has adopted Guru um, and is, is using Guru, the learners, the, the organizations that are helping to, to lead learning, the, the facilitators and instructors who are, you know, providing some of the, the, the content and helping to guide the experiences. What does lifelong learning look like in a, a world like that? I mean, do we, is, is the social justice uh, issue solved? Uh, what, what, what's, the, what's the outcome if, if we really get this right? The ultimate outcome is the inequalities in the world will reduce quite significantly, right? As otherwise, there is the world is set up so that, you know, like as things move more to a technology-enabled world, Certain people get more advantage, certain people get more disadvantaged, and the gap keeps widening. The inequality keeps widening. And now if the people who are traditionally underserved are able to learn continuously and adapt themselves to the changing environments, then you know income inequality will drop because of learning inequality dropping and so forth. So we move closer towards social justice. Now, while... Uh, in the in a world where lifelong learning is an important thing because we kind of partitioned learning into early childhood, K-12, higher education, skills training, professional learning. And so these are all artificial and you know, grade five, grade six, grade seven. These were all done for some convenience, right? And actually it has no basis in anything because the way the student learns is, you know, I may be a fifth grade student who is doing math at seventh grade level and have my knowledge of English in third grade level, but my uh, creativity could be at fifth grade level and you know my communication skills could be at uh, whatever other level that we want to define and so on. So the idea is that nobody is kind of slottable, right? They all have, everybody is so individualistic. Everybody is so unique that everybody just have has, you know, it's like Google Maps. Google Maps doesn't pass a judgment based on where you are. It says, hey, wherever you are, we'll take you to wherever you want to go, right? We're not going to say that, oh, you're 30 miles from the airport or 300 miles from the airport, then 
the person who is 300 miles must be more stupid, right? So we just say, hey, you happen to be 300 miles, we'll take you to this airport. You are also 30 miles from somewhere else. But as far as this airport is concerned, you're 300 miles away and we'll still navigate you that kind of stuff, right? So, so that's kind of the approach that we need to take is to, we see lifelong learning is always about the learner, right? And the learner is where they are on variety of dimensions, they're in all over the place. You don't want to slot them and say they're fifth grader or seventh grader or whatever. This is where the learner is. This is what they want to learn. And let's kind of find a navigation path for them. Now, we slotted them into fifth grade and sixth grade and all that stuff because it somehow made it convenient for us to kind of manage large volumes of students. But moving forward with the uh, technology is all uh, stepping up to support this. We don't need to do that anymore. Ram, I always like to take advantage of uh, you know having a guest like yourself on the show to ask how you approach your own lifelong learning, and, and particularly because of you know who you are and your background. I'd love to know what role technology plays in, in supporting your own lifelong learning. Yeah, in fact, all of us as adults are lifelong learners, and we really enjoy learning since you know you learn about covid one day the next day you're learning about racism and the third day you're learning about elections so you know we kind of think about it as hey we have a learning companion that is seizing the moments that surround us to support us with learning right and you learn based on you know all of a sudden somehow uh, UK is uh, shifting their prime minister after six weeks or something. So all of us are interested in uh, how parliamentary systems work and trying to understand how they they elect their uh, leader and so forth. So we are learning based on what, you know, and we learn enough to kind of understand how UK uh, chooses its prime minister versus how US uh, picks its president kind of stuff, right? So, and that's... No different in my case, and since there's constantly, you know, a lot of uh, technical things that we need to learn about, you know, everybody is trying to understand what this metaverse is supposed to be and uh, how are we kind of, you know, what is going to change because of that, or all of us have uh, heard about cryptocurrency and uh, we know something about it, but not enough and we need to learn about it, or uh, we have seen all this artwork go up on sale, these NFTs. Uh, and, you know, we are still trying to wrap our heads around, so what does this exactly mean kind of stuff. So we are constantly learning as adults, and it's no different for me. I'm also constantly learning on all these things, but the key is that, you know, what instigates our learning is the moments that surround us, right? Now, when you're kind of doing, quote-unquote, formal education or continuing education, you're kind of um, uh, a little more constrained. You're learning without the support of the environment around you. you know, And this is kind of where I feel like uh, the affordances that we have with the technology and so forth will give us the opportunity to learn about anything we want by leveraging the, you know, if you're on the Golden Gate Bridge, it's nice to learn about a parabola at that point. If you're a student in eighth grade on the Golden Gate Bridge, it's important if somebody can point out to you about the parabola. 
if you're walking to school and it's foggy today, it's interesting to kind of learn about what causes fog at that point in time, right? If you are at a cafeteria in the school and or uh, in your office and you see that there are 140 calories in a pack of rice, then it's I'm curious to know how do they cal calculate calories in a pack of rice kind of stuff, right? And um, And that's kind of how... Uh, I envision this whole thing being that uh, we we are constant in lifelong learning is not about just professional learning. It's not just about career advancement. It's also about career advancement, but it's kind of co continuously learning. You're always learning, right? And uh, And that's what I believe, you know, distinguishes humans from every other animal species. We are endowed with a big enough brain that continuously seeks to learn, and uh, we can support that. Now, I love that idea of really, it seems like a, a combination of context and curiosity that are really the, the, the catalyst for learning. Uh, that, that's so powerful. And I think for all of us to be more, more conscious of that, it was interesting that you mentioned the situation in the United Kingdom, because my son asked me just the other day, you know, how is it that a prime minister can be out so fast? And how do they, you know, how do they elect their leaders? And I realized, I didn't. I wasn't quite on top of the answer to the extent that I wanted it to be. So it's it's actually on my list to go bone up on the parliamentary uh, system. So thanks for reminding me of that. Prasad Ram is founder and CEO of Guru, spelled G O O R U. You can contact him directly at pram at guru.org. And you can find links to the Guru site and Pram's personal site in the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 333. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 333, you'll also see options for subscribing to the podcast. And we'd be grateful if you would subscribe if you haven't yet, as subscriptions give us some data on the role the podcast is playing in our listeners' learning journey. We'd also be grateful if you would rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen especially if you find the Leading Learning Podcast valuable. Jeff and I personally would appreciate it, and those ratings and reviews help us show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Go to leadinglearning.com slash apple to leave a rating. Lastly, please help us grow the leading learning community. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 333, there are links to find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Thank you.